Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge podcast. Our guest this week is Lindsay Matthews, who tells us what it's like to be an English teacher in an era of increased book challenges and bans. She talks about celebrating Banned Books Week with her students, going through a book challenge of a text she taught, and facilitating conversations about difficult topics. Hope you enjoy. Being here. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah. Could you start out by telling us where you teach and what grade and subject? So right now, this year, I teach sixth grade English language arts at Alameda Middle School, coming out of 10 years of teaching high school. So it's quite the change. Okay. And before Lindsay taught at Pocatello's Pocatello High School and Century High School before making that transition to Alameda this year. So I asked her to come on so we could talk about the increase of book bans and challenges in the nation and in Idaho and what it's like to be an English teacher during this time. So before we get into it, I just wanna provide some background for the listeners. The way that books are chosen is a little bit different for a library versus for a classroom. So the difference is that in a library, the librarian usually selects those materials and purchases them. With a class, if you're gonna teach the novel, the process to teach it is a little bit more rigorous, at least in the Pocatello Chubbuck School District where Lindsay and I have experience. So for Pocatello Chubbuck, they have a protected novel list for each grade level. And it's basically a set of books that are approved for the teacher to use in class. And so those are the options that you have, whatever's on that list. Those books have been vetted and approved and are generally quote-unquote safe for a teacher to use. If a teacher wants to use a book that's not on that list, they will have to submit a formal application where they summarize the book, include any details that um, that parents might need to know about um, or things like that, and then that application goes to a committee that approves whether that will be added to the list or not. So, Lindsay, can you tell us, do you know what some of the books are on the sixth grade list? So, right now we're reading Matilda, which is a whole lot of fun. Um, Matilda, actually, in its day, has been challenged for um, being disrespectful to children and to parents because Matilda plays pranks on her parents to get even with them. Um, There's also the Westing game, Amos Fortune, Hatchet, um, uh, a nonfiction series about the Titanic, there's like a lot of nonfiction and fiction options that are a lot of fun. The kids are actually excited about it. We've given them a preview of what we'll be reading, um, and they are looking forward to all the books. Cool. Thanks for giving us an idea of what some of those are. I know at the high school level, some of the books on there are classics that are pretty familiar, like A Tale of Two Cities, Romeo and Juliet, The Odyssey, The Great Gatsby, things like that. So another question I was curious about In your career as a teacher, since book challenges are on the rise, have you ever had that happen where a book was challenged that you were using? I I have. It didn't happen in the real time that we were reading it. Um, It was, uh, oh my gosh, it's Melba Patio Bales. What is the name of it? Warriors Don't Cry. Sorry, brain fart. Um, So Warriors Don't Cry by Melba Patio Bales is her autobiography of what it was like to be part of the Little Rock Nine. We read it in the fall trimester, and then it was challenged two trimesters later in the spring, which was really surprising. Um, 
because it just kind of came out of nowhere. You know, once you get to third try, first try is pretty far out of your mind. But there is an incident in it in which um, Melba is attacked by a man who is inebriated and upset because they've passed. Um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting all the names. What is it? Brown vs. Board of Education. Yes, Brown vs. Board of Education. I'm like forgetting all of the important things, but she's attacked. And um, this particular student didn't get into that scene. They just got to the point where they kind of knew where it was going and refused to read the rest of it. They didn't bring up that issue with me at the time. They just told me that they didn't like nonfiction and they weren't having a good time reading it and they weren't going to read it. And then... That two trimester later, they said it was because of the content of Warriors Don't Cry. And so they tried to challenge it. And what the district does is they put together a board and it includes all the department heads from each of the high schools. And they'll also pull parents and kids that have to read it that are in that grade and even administrators. And they have this little panel and I couldn't be a part of it. I couldn't justify or have any say in it. Um... But they read the book together and then they convene and meet and decide whether or not it should still be on our protected novels list. Mm-hmm. And ultimately they decided that it was placed fine and it was appropriate and so nothing came of it, but it went through the whole challenge process. Uh-huh. And that student, did they just read another book or how did that work out? So while I had them, they just refused to read everything. There was a, luckily a lot of communication kind of back and forth with mom leading up to it and so... Ultimately, they didn't do very well in the class, and I think that was something that was an issue with the class in the end. Um, But they were able to do a makeup read Mm -hmm. project for that, but I was not involved in that process at all. Mm -hmm. So a lot of schools have a challenge procedure like the one you described, and the outcome can be to remove the book, to keep it, or to move it to a different grade level. So thanks for that description of what that looks like. So I also want to talk about this idea of banned books, and that's been on the rise in Idaho. There are several Idaho districts that have banned books, including Nampa, West Ada, and and Bonneville. So with that in mind, last week, September 16th through 24th, was Banned Book Week. And I know that in the past, you've celebrated that week with your students. So can you talk to me a little bit about when you started that tradition and what it entails? I actually have, I always kind of like to celebrate like dates in my class. So like authors' birthdays and things like that. It's kind of a fun way to tie in like historical nonfiction information with the fictional fun stuff that we read. And so I actually started it and I just started very basically with like a quick lecture. And as the years have gone on, I've turned it into this big like discussion thing because it's really interesting to hear kids perspectives on it. I always get really nervous just because you know banned books it's a little intense and I don't want to ruffle any feathers but I like to talk about censorship with them and who do they think should be in charge of what they can and cannot read and it's really interesting to have those conversations and to get their perspectives and so as the years have gone on with my high schoolers it's become more of like a discussion where We'll look at the percentages of challenges and bans that come from the school or the library, or they can come from administrators and parents and teachers, and very, very rarely, but occasionally they can come from students too. And so we'll just kind of talk about that. And then we'll also look at what has been challenged, like 
some of their favorites that have been challenged is um, for in 2012-2013, Captain Underpants was the most complained about book because it's just crude. And so that's always like a fun one to kind of like introduce them to this topic with. And then we kind of go into the bigger classics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those books, like classics that we would all be familiar with that have been threatened to be banned in the past? My favorite is Of Mice and Men. And so Of Mice and Men has a very, very rocky history. It has been banned and challenged almost, it's kind of like To Kill a Mockingbird, like almost since its publication, it's been complained about, it's been an issue. Um, what I love about Of Mice and Men is it's probably one of my favorite books to teach. It's one that was hard for me to let go when I moved down because although the there's, you know, racist stereotypes, there's racist language, there's stuff like that, the ending of it always really pulls kids in and they love it. They come to care about those characters and they're engaged with it. And, you know, we make it a conversation about how Steinbeck's depictions were meant to be real to that time period. And so while that's the language in the textbook, that's not how we talk today and that's not how we view today. So we talk about how much we've grown since then. And that's one of the books that even though it's so short, I've had some of the best in-class discussions with my students. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good lesson for students to learn that if there are characters in the book who might be racist or sexist, the author is not necessarily including those characters to endorse that viewpoint, but in fact to critique it. And so I think it helps when students understand that. Yeah, and that's what we always like to talk about, and they always like crooks and and how he kind of tries to come into Lenny and George's plan and then backs out at the end, and they they really connect with those realistic characters and all their like faults and weaknesses and issues. And they like that, I think, more than here's this perfect hero type of character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned To Kill a Mockingbird. Can you talk to us a little bit about that book's history? So it's interesting because it's just within the past two years that that one started to be challenged because it takes on the Black perspective but doesn't come from a Black perspective. Mm -hmm. But up until recently, it's mostly been because of the sexual content of it Mm -hmm. and the racist language and stereotypes too. But that's a new one that's just in the past two years become one of the bigger issues is, you know, the white savior and that type of stuff that people have a problem with. But ever since it's been published, you know, it's it's um, Harper Lee's one hit wonder type of book, but it's like never had a peaceful history. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think about that? Because some people do have some valid concerns, like the ones you just mentioned. So is there ever a time when a book should be banned? What do you think? I think no. I think context is important. So anytime I'm introducing a book, I like to give the historical context, the author context, and I like to give a really strong preface so that the students can understand why we're reading this book and the value that it has. I think, you know, part of school is we're supposed to challenge kids and we're supposed to broaden their horizons and their perspectives and their minds. And if we're always playing it safe and we're always playing it down, we're not going to have that space for those hard conversations. Like school is where kids figure a lot of stuff out. But if we minimize it and we minimize our ability to kind of push them through that productive struggle and through those discussions, then we're not really doing our jobs. Mm -hmm. And even if books have some problematic facts about them, like the ones you were mentioning with To Kill a Mockingbird, it could be used as a lesson of, you know, what not to do or 
or it could show how perspectives have widened over time. It just goes back to that, you know, just because it appears in a book doesn't mean it's an endorsement of that view. Well, with Melopatia Beals, I made a specific point of saying, hey, you know, in this book, there's a lot of bad stuff that happens and warriors don't cry. And it's awful, but we need to read about it because it's something real that happened in history. And it's important for us to, you know, see how far we've come, but also see, you know, this used to be, that was considered fine. And that was considered normal because of the beliefs at that time. And I think things like that give us a great opportunity to juxtapose our reality with what's in the fiction and to kind of like help kids broaden their horizons, put themselves in someone else's shoes and see things a different way. And, you know, like you said, we have those conversations about this is meant to be a lesson. It's not meant to glamorize it. It's not meant to, you know, it's not, it's not always someone's putting something in to try and offend you, but they're wanting you to think about it. And why are they wanting us to think about this character or this experience. And so with Melba being attacked at nine years old, it's a great conversation to have about what the mindset was at that time and how horrific it was that that man felt justified. So you mentioned that people want to ban books because they don't want to challenge kids. They want them to be safe and, and not have to experience hard truths. But you're saying that's an essential part of learning is facing difficult concepts. So what are some of the other dangers or downfalls that could come from banning books? You know, it's kind of, I always, when I think of that, the first book I think of is Anthem by Ayn Rand. And that's where, you know, and, and it also, it's a whole big spiel that Captain Beatty gives in Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. But if you want to save everybody from being offended, then you're going to have to start cutting out a whole lot of stuff because even Captain Beatty says, like, the dog lovers will get offended about this and the cat lovers will get offended about that. Like, there's always going to be something that offends somebody. But being able to be open-minded and to hear those other perspectives, I mean, maybe that doesn't mean you agree with it, but at least you can maybe understand that other side. And that's where empathy comes in. You know, they say the most empathetic people are the biggest readers. Well, if we're limiting what our people can read or what our students can read, well, they're not able to empathize with these other characters that aren't like them. If I only ever read books about English teachers or moms, you know, I wouldn't be able to step into the shoes of these other people that are so unlike me. Right now I'm reading The Institute by Stephen King. It's from the perspective of a 12-year-old boy. And it's fun because I have a 12-year-old boy and it makes me keep thinking of him, but it's cool to be able to do that with a book when you can't so much. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So with Banned Books Week, how has that celebration or conversation or discussions that you implement in your classroom changed with high schoolers versus middle schoolers? So with middle schoolers, we definitely go with the funnier parts of it. Not so much those like hard conversations, but Dr. Seuss's hop on pop has been challenged because it encourages violence towards fathers. Um, And in more recent years, a lot more of those bans and challenges have to relate with sexual content. Um, And so that's kind of like a hard gap because I'm not wanting to, you know, shove anything in any kids faces or anything like that. So we definitely took the lighter approach, but it still was a conversation about censorship. And it was cool for them to see like, here were the top 10 challenge books the years they were born. 
Twilight is, you know, Twilight was heavily banned. They were born in 2011 and 2012, 2010. And so those books, Twilight was banned heavily then. The Hunger Games was banned heavily then. And so it's cool to have them see like these books and movies that they love have had a rough history themselves. What has been the student reaction to these conversations? You know, I've actually been really impressed. That's probably been my favorite part about switching to the sixth grade level is they're just so easily excited about so much. And so, you know, it just takes this little discussion, this little thing about the violence towards fathers with Hop on Pop and they're like fully invested and they're excited to talk about it. And, you know, they, they've seen that movie and so they think that that's crazy that it's been challenged or banned and you know then we have to have a conversation that just because it's been challenged in one place doesn't mean it is all over or banned in one place doesn't mean it is all over but they get so much more upset and they have more of an emotional reaction and that's been really Mm -hmm. fun to to see that Mm -hmm. yeah it sounds like it's been a great way to engage students and have them link their own experiences with the content that you're reading. I thought it was really surprising that Matilda, which you're reading, has been banned. And before the podcast started, I was talking to Lindsay a little bit about what she's teaching this year, and she mentioned how Matilda's been a favorite with all kinds of students. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, I love to read. I love reading, and it's been super fun. We are reading together as a class, and sometimes we popcorn read, and sometimes just I read. But every day, kids in the hallway will holler at me, Mrs. Matthews, are we reading Matilda today? And if I say no, you know, even my, like, hard, tough little kids will be so bummed out, and they'll be like, oh, why not? And if I say that we are reading, they're like, yes, and they'll, like, give a little fist bump. And so it's been so fun to have that, hunger for reading and to have them like fully invested in the reading while we're reading you know there's no distractions like they are just following along with me and they're asking questions and they're reacting and I'm getting to see it all and like live and it's so Mm -hmm. awesome I think that's great that the kids are so into it because today it can be harder to get them to read because they do have so many distractions in their typical life with social media and cell phones and so many things demanding their attention that it can be hard to reintroduce the idea of reading and just focusing on the page. So I love to hear that there's that enthusiasm. Something else I was wondering about, what does it feel like to teach amid these rising book bans and book challenges? Does it ever make you feel nervous or like you're walking on eggshells or has it not bothered you? It definitely, I mean, ever since I had Warriors Don't Cry challenged, I've definitely made a point of providing that very specific context. Like, hey, some of this is hard, but this is why it's worth working through. This is why it's worth discussing. And so with Matilda, part of how I introduced Matilda is I was like, guess what? Matilda's been challenged and banned. And they all know Roald Dahl because of the BFG. And the BFG hasn't necessarily been banned or challenged, but other of Roald Dahl's books have also been challenged. Um, James and the Giant Peach, George's Marvelous Medicine, like he's he's got a long history of challenges himself. And so it kind of was like a way to introduce it and be like, see, we're kind of edgy and reading Matilda and they think it's funny and the parents talk rude to each other. And so if they get to read out loud and call somebody a twit, they think that's <laughs> so fun and so exciting. And um, so it definitely, you know, it definitely makes me nervous and I just make sure to try and provide a context and I think communicating with parents is super important, and so I send a weekly, I don't know that I would have done this at the high school level, it might seem like a little much, but with my sixth graders, I send a weekly update, and I'm like, here's what we've read, here's what we did, and 
Um, I've gotten a lot of great feedback about that. And so I think communication with home can be super beneficial too. And I always try and encourage that um, when people ask me for advice. Mm -hmm. My next question is kind of a hard one, but why do you think that nationally and in Idaho specifically, this has become a rising issue? And what would you say to parents who are worried about what their kids are reading and who are feeling threatened by it? You know, I think that's a natural part of being a parent is that protection and that wanting to protect and make sure your kids are safe. But kids can access a lot more sketchy, dangerous stuff online than they can in a book. And there's so many kids who have uninhibited access to YouTube and Snapchat and other social medias that I don't think parents are quite aware of how easy they can see things that are a lot more detrimental than what they can read in a book. And most of the things that they're reading about in books that are being banned and challenged are just kind of part of the human experience. And as they become adults, you know, we can't shun them from this great diversity of the world. And so the big slogan for um, the American Library Association's Banned Books Week is books unite us, censorship divides us. And so that's kind of what I tell my students is, you know, you're just learning what it's like to be somebody else in reading these books and reading about these other perspectives and these other characters. And, you know, we're seeing that diversity more in cartoons and stuff now too. And I've seen it firsthand where I've seen a student just happen to notice that a character in a cartoon had a rainbow little pin on and they're like, oh my gosh, that character's gay. And I totally never, you know, it's it was something I never even noticed, even though I'd watched it several times with my kids. But sometimes it's just that little glimmer of representation of a kid seeing, hey, that character's like me, that can spark this excitement and help them feel like they're not alone. And I think that's so much more important than minimizing everything in the name of protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's a good point you bring up that what they're experiencing or coming across in a book is probably not as um, extreme as what they might find online. And they have the benefit of a trusted adult to walk it through them, to walk through it with them and provide them context and have discussions and be there to facilitate conversations about those difficult topics. Yeah, and I think I like to be pretty discussion heavy because I think it's good for kids to hear various opinions because some kids are never going to speak up, but if somebody else speaks up and has their same opinion, that's just one more instance in where they're like, okay, so I'm not wrong or it's okay to think that or, you know, it kind of helps them see where they fit to whether they agree or disagree. And so I think those discussions and I think being able to facilitate that with these books on these topics is really beneficial to kids. It helps more than anything, I think. Mm -hmm. So you're a parent. What grades are your kids in and what are they reading? Have you ever had an occasion where they're uncomfortable with something they're reading and how have you handled that? So I have a seventh grader, a fourth grader, and a kindergartner. And, you know, the first kind of, like, thing where they perked up and weren't sure is we were reading Wings of Fire. It's a series about dragons. And, you know, I think it says their tails twined about 15,000 times. It's just the dragons holding hands. But there was one instance where I would read it out loud with my boys. And there was one instance where two girl dragons hold hands. And my boys just go, wait, what? And we had a great conversation. 
And, you know, like, not that I necessarily think every children's book needs to have relationships and romance and stuff like that in it, but it just was a thing for them where they were like, oh, okay, and then we just moved right back on in it. But, you know, we did pause and we did have a conversation, but it didn't bother them. And so far, they've not been too interested or read anything that I felt was inappropriate. And I give them pretty, like, free range within reason. I mean, there's no Stephen King going on for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, if there's something they're confused about or they don't understand, they'll come to me about it. And we just have a conversation. And I haven't experienced anything... And they haven't experienced anything that was, like, traumatizing in any way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think that's just helpful for parents to hear kind of how you navigate that with your expertise as an English teacher. So I want to move on to a different segment of this episode. But before we do that, is there anything else that you want to add about banned books or that you think the public should know, whether it's other teachers, parents, administrators, or even students or legislators? Something that I have noticed in my personal experience is that most often when things are challenged, it's not from an actual, like, first-person experience. It's through the grapevine. It's somebody heard this, and it's, it's very rarely from what I've experienced that someone has actually read something and then been offended by it and wanted to challenge it. And so I think, you know, if it is something that you are worried about first you should experience it yourself and see if that really is warranted and I think most often people will find that that's not the case. So you would encourage concerned people to read those books that are in question? Yeah and if they don't want them um, Dave Pilkey, Captain Underpants author, he has a little animation video and it's like here's a simple change on how You can, you know, have your opinions but not affect the whole world. And um, he draws a little image and it's apparent that's like, I don't want my, I don't want these books. And he like erases the little word bubble and it's like, I don't want these books in my house. And he just kind of talks about, you know, okay, we'll take care of yourself and your household and stuff like that. But it doesn't mean that it needs to extend to the whole greater population. Mm -hmm. Yeah, focusing on making choices for your specific child rather than a whole group. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for talking to us about that. So I wanted to add a new segment to each episode where I'll ask whatever teacher I have on the same three questions. So I wanted to start that tradition with Lindsay. So the first thing I wanted to ask her about was, what is the very best part about teaching? The very best part about teaching is seeing kids get it. Like English is a subject that a lot of kids love to hate. You know, they will, I don't like to read. I hate writing. But you can get them sometimes with those good books. Like, I always think of Of Mice and Men. I've had some great aha moments with Of Mice and Men. And, you know, having kids get it and connect with the character, connect with the book, or finally, you know, work hard enough they got an A on their essay. Like, that's the greatest, just to see them get it and they like always get this little smile and it is almost like that like cartoonish little bubble of a light bulb that pops up and like that's the best part. Mm -hmm. Nice. My next question is what is the greatest lesson that teaching has taught you? I will never know even half of everything. Like every time I feel like I've got something figured out I am taught a lesson. Like I constantly tell my students that I think they teach me more than I can ever teach them because I mean, I've taught for 10 years and I still feel like I'm figuring it out. 
Mm -hmm. And I like that. That's one of the things I like is I'm always learning. Mm -hmm. All right. And then last question, what's one piece of advice that you would give to a new teacher or that you wish you had known when you were starting out? Be authentic. It's super easy to get advice from, you know, those, those old teachers that have been around forever and they've always done it this way and it's worked out for them. But in the end, you have to figure out what works for you and your style because if it's not authentic to you and it's not genuine to you, you're not going to stick to it or you're not going to enjoy it. And I think teaching needs to be about enjoying as much as possible, you know, within that professionalism and all of that. If you're not having fun, the kids are the kids know it and they need that excitement and that passion and they need that authentic teacher in front of them. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great piece of advice. So thank you so, so much for coming on the show to talk to us about your experiences with band and challenge books and your wisdom at the end. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And thanks again to Lindsay for sharing her time and wisdom with us. We'll have another episode out two Fridays from today. And don't forget to go to IdahoEducationNews.org for all of our latest. Have a great week.